0: Kia ora, welcome to Asian and Aotearoa, a podcast of uncensored conversations with Asian creatives. I'm Jenna, and in this episode, I catch up with Jack Woon. Jack is a Kiwi-Malaysian-Chinese filmmaker with over 15 years of experience crafting stories across diverse cultures and genres. In this episode we dive into the season's themes of leadership, creativity, collaboration and self-love and Jack shares some really great bits about perfectionist tendencies that you may or may not relate to. And this episode also marks the season's halfway point depending on when you listen to this. Have a fabulous Christmas and New Year. The podcast will be back in mid-Jan-ish. Some exciting news is around the corner too, so stay tuned, sign up to the newsletter, and follow the Instagram to hear the latest. Here is my conversation with Jack. Welcome, Jack.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Pleasure to be here. Thank you. I feel so out of place. I don't know why anyone would want to hear about what I'm doing, but here we are. Oh,
0: no, we do. We want to know. Would you mind doing a little self-intro?
1: Yeah, my name is Jack Woon. I was born in Malaysia. I came to New Zealand when I was five. So I pretty much mostly Kiwi, all my education's here. I'm a filmmaker and I've uh, been doing that since I was 13, really. Just making movies and telling stories through the visual medium.
0: Whereabouts in Malaysia were you born?
1: I was born in Pataling Jaya. My mum is from Kwantan. My dad is from Kulai. So the dream of my parents was to get, get an education. And so they both went to uni, met in Kuala Lumpur oh. while in university. And that's where our family began, really. I Me and see. my three three older brothers. I'm the youngest.
0: Yeah, so my dad's from Cebu. So he came here to study as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, okay. You're from, the cool, you're from the cool side. Is that east? East. east. Yeah.
0: yeah. Is there a... Th- is there? A- what do you mean, the cool side? Is, oh. there, is there a...
1: The place I've never been uh, and the legendary parts okay, with okay. good seafood and great yes, tourism yes, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> great wildlife.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen you since earlier this year. Yep. What's been going on?
1: Uh, I've been mostly fun employed this year. So last year was incredibly busy because I was working on Sikfan La, the TVNZ food adventure show. Uh, went on air at about February this year. And since then, I've just been um, having a little downtime, mostly self-imposed downtime, actually, to work on um, my writing side. So I've been coming up with a couple of TV series ideas, and I have been slightly working on a feature film script, which is connected to a short film that I'm about to shoot. So it's been a lot of writing, a lot of being at home and in the office, just looking at screens and maybe doing one or two hours of what feels like productive work. But but that's what writing's like, I think,
0: Mm -mm. yeah. Cool. We're going to get into creativity because this, quote-unquote, the season, the themes are leadership, creativity, collaboration, and self-love. I'll leave that one to the end. Uh, But first, the leadership one. How did you get into directing?
1: I've done it since I was very young. So I made movies for school projects in high school instead of, like social studies instead of doing like a piece of paper, a report or something, we'd make movies about say, um, ozone depletion or, you know, like, um, sexism. We'd make little mini documentaries. And in my case for the ozone depletion thing, we would make, um, me and a couple of my friends were made a short film about, like a Star Wars assault of these chemicals that were destroying the ozone mm-hmm. kind of thing. So we'd, we'd make these little dramatic things. Cool. Um. So that's how I started. So ever since I was little, I've just been um, trying to gather all my friends to make these um, parodies of like the Matrix and the Star Wars and all these things. Cool. Um, yeah, we Us. didn't have didn't have a role for it. I would, I've never identified as a director. I just did. Really? Stuff. Yeah, I just held the camera and I cut, I edited it. But like, I didn't, I didn't have an idea of director. I just like, I just. I told people what to do, really. But, yeah, <laughs> I didn't so... know that was what the role was called. I just ah, like, oh, okay. So, um, oh, that's what I do. I'm yeah, directing, but yeah. you didn't know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I guess the idea was like, you make a movie, then you have to write it and you have, to, you have to shoot it. You have to hold the camera and you have to edit it as well. And that's what all people who make movies do when I was very young. Of yeah, course, yeah,
0: yeah. What makes a great director or leader?
1: I've come to understand a great director or a leader is one that enables everyone else to do their job the best possible way, though, the best they can. Mm. So you've got to create an environment where, where you're not dictating the work, really. You're, you're giving a direction to go, but the actual work is being done by the whole team yeah. to the best of their ability. So but you don't want to get in the way of yeah. everyone doing an awesome job.
0: How comfortable are you with being called a leader?
1: Incredibly uncomfortable, yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> and I keep denying that I'm a director because I haven't been one for a very long time. I feel like I haven't been one for a very long time. Um, every time I...
0: What's a very long time?
1: What I mean by very long time is that, like, okay, when, when I think of director, I think of directing a scripted short film, for example. Like, I I know I've directed documentaries, mm. and I did direct Fan La. yeah. But I don't, I don't see that as direct, like, you know, what I would think of as directing, as in what I thought I was getting into when I was a kid, uh-huh. like Steven Spielberg or George Lucas or something like that. So I haven't done a short film since maybe 2015 was the last time I made a short film. The last serious funded short film I did was in 2013. So that's about 10 years ago. And I haven't made anything since then, which kind of scares me. Because when I was growing up, I was, I was doing it all the time, you know. In the second year of university, I directed a feature film. Like, I didn't think it was hard then, you know, it's just something you do. And I just went and did it. And um, it was fun and it was great and it turned out really well. And these days, I'm like, I think about making a film and I'm like, just terrified at the prospect. And how do I go about it? It's quite paralyzing. How come? I wonder if it's because of like the Dunning-Kruger effect, you know, like when you start with a new skill or something, you're just learning everything, you, you're like supremely confident mm. and you're not that competent, but you feel really competent. And then eventually you get to this point where you realize actually you're not actually that competent. Your confidence and your competence starts to... So your, your fear inc- to increased,
0: even though arguably you've had more experience...
1: Yeah, so the experience oh. has told me what I don't know, basically. Right. So when you're starting off, you're like, "Oh, I can do that. I can. I can make Star Wars. Oh, I can. Oh, Matrix is easy. You know, mm-hmm. it's just some special effects and some kung fu. And we can, I could choreograph a fight. You know. And then eventually, you realize actually to do it at a certain quality and to do it on the world stage and to actually make something great takes a lot of time, a lot of boring moments, a lot of um, painful moments, and you realise there's that gap between, between how good you are and where you need to be.
0: You've delivered over 25 hours of TV doco content. What makes a good documentary?
1: That's a very broad question. Far out. <laughs> what makes a good documentary? Uh, Anything. I don't you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just human truth. I would say that's the most engaging documentary. You watch something, and even because I did a lot of wildlife documentaries in NHNZ, I edited quite a few hours of wildlife content because that was what they were as natural history, um, New Zealand down in Dunedin. That's what they specialized in. And even every single wildlife docker has a human thing you learn from it, you know, yeah, whether it's how to be better protective of the world mm. or whether there's some something you can learn from an animals that relates back to what, what a human could do. You know, yeah. that's what, that's what a good story is, right? It's always about how to be, how to live in this world as a human. So if, uh, if it's a good story, it's a good documentary and a good story is being a good human.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Have you seen the good ones lately?
1: Uh, quite, uh, the, the one that opened Doc Edge, what was it called? What was it about? The prisoners who were returning from Guantanamo ah. Bay to, I think it was. Oh, fuck, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is <laughs> my, uncensored, you can't swear. My memory is just so rubbish, <laughs> but I, I found that really. I mean, it was very long doko. Oh, really? It was a bit too long, but it was incredibly great. Oh, it's, it was like long as in one act, one. One story beat too long, you know, that okay. kind of thing. Not in terms of, like, duration. Oh, okay. It's just too big a story. But they're, they're Guantanamo Bay prisoners who went to this rehabilitation camp in one of the Middle Eastern countries. Mm-hmm. I really should know this. I'm mm-hmm. so bad. Mm-hmm. And
0: It's it's nearly six o'clock in the evening. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. the brain's winding down.
1: Um, but, yeah, just being a, getting a glimpse into that life and how, trying to adjust to being a normal human being again in a normal society. Or the trying to get married, you know, trying to find a wife yeah. after being a, suicide, you know, nearly being a suicide bomber or after doing all these Al-Qaeda operations mm. and possibly murdering people, you know, like, wow. <laughs> it's, okay. just, it's really, really fascinating doc.
0: When asked about what you might like to talk about on this episode, you mentioned overcoming perfectionism.
1: Ah, yes. I did say that. Didn't you I?
0: did. Remember? Yeah. Tell me a bit about this, please.
1: Yeah. Um, last year, I just had this epiphany that there was, I mean, there was so much drama going on and personal conflicts in the film industry and clashes between different personalities. And it's, and it's constant. Like, it, it happens all the time in the creative industries. And I sort of just felt like, I mean, everyone really wants to do a good, a good job. And, well, let's take it back a little bit, you know, like, let's go back to, say, growing up as a Chinese kid in New Zealand, as a child of Asian parents. Yeah. Many can relate. So when you go to school, you just want the best mark, right? Yeah. You want to get 100%. You want to get A plus on everything. And I don't know how that was in great. I don't remember my parents ever pushing me. Possibly as my brothers, right? Because they were all A-plus students. And um, one of them was the top in New Zealand oh. for bursary and top in the whole faculty for engineering. And, okay. Um, they were all top students. And I was not. Oh, but, okay. So there was this this idea of that. In order to do anything, you just have to do it really well, really perfectly. That led on to me thinking about like how I have conflicted with a lot of people while working on various jobs, you know. I took on some assistant editors in my time on various projects, and every time I tried to let go of a sequence that I gave them to edit or uh, even a whole docker that someone else has edited, and because I'm an editor myself, I just had to really let go of, like, you know, Oh, I'll do it myself.
0: It's fucking hard to let go of that act. Eh? It really is. I it am really is. The same.
1: And cause like <laughs> you you have an idea of what you want. Yeah. And then as a director, right? <laughs> you have an idea of what you want, but you're not the editor. So you know exactly how to get there. Yeah. And if someone else is doing it and they're not doing exactly what you thought, um, Oof. that's it's gonna something's gonna feel wrong to you. Yeah. Even though objectively It's possibly a better cut or a better thing done. And that's led to a whole lot of conflicts because just because it's your style or there's something you wanted to do and you think is perfect or you think is the right thing to do, um, it doesn't mean it's better for the project or better for the story or something like that. So the past few years, I've just been like... Thinking about how much of an asshole I've been to someone. Are
0: you an <laughs> asshole?
1: So, yeah, I think I oh, have been. okay. But I know. I mean, know. but at least I I, I recognise yeah, that, and okay, I know. Is,
0: okay, because I don't know the side of you because well, I mean, we don't know each other very well. Yeah. But I mean, because I was on in Sam Lowe's episode. Yeah. And you were the director. Yeah. Um, but I'm surprised that you are an
1: asshole. <laughs> okay. Well, this is myself. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about this in self-love. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'm no, really, but- I'm really quite sensitive to like how other people. I mean, it, I haven't had any disastrous yeah. conflicts. Like everyone, we've ended up fine. Yeah, but yet, yeah, like I can recognise when actually that I should shouldn't have overstepped that line. Mm. You know, and um, oh,
0: shit, that's tough, eh.
1: But it's great. I mean, like mm. I'm I'm happy that I can often recognize that now. <laughs> when but so, when like, I was younger, I was much more of an asshole. Like really? right now. Like yeah. give
0: me an example, like say when you were younger, if you were kind of overstepping, that's the word that you use. Yeah. Like what what was that?
1: It would be stuff like um say, okay, I've I've hired two editors yeah. to work with me on this project and then I'd be frustrated when at the end of 3 days they haven't completed <laughs> a sequence or something i'll be like hey guys can we just can you guys just you know oh, yeah. we should be at this point and yeah. i would i would say like i would have done it yeah. by now you know yeah. that kind of thing
0: that kind of leadership we call that pace setting when you're like do Great. as i do let's go we're exactly. really like yeah. let's go get over the wall let's yes. move yes okay
1: and so that's completely uh unhelpful right like everyone has their own ways of working and i was only thinking of my own way of working or um, my own expectations and, and I never set any expectations. Like I, I'll just be like, oh, okay, well, we got a few, this, these two weeks to do it, you yeah. guys just, as long as you do it, I'm happy, that I, kind of thing.
0: I think that is, that's leadership, you know, like trying to, you've got to move something along, but of course you're collaborating. And so people work at different speeds, different perspectives. And it's like, how am I going to hold space? It's It's tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but at the core, it's about perfection because I Mm. want it to be so good and so. But at the end of the day, some of these projects I've worked on, like who cares?
0: Yeah, yeah. the fuck. Totally, totally. (laughs) Sometimes it's like at the end of the day, no one's going to give a shit in three years. Yeah, I so i so relate i um so when i was in my last senior leadership role i did a 360 evaluation so like surveys my my boss my boss's boss my direct reports clients blah, blah blah and i remember one of the things it came back Because you have to do self-evaluation as well. And the things were like perfectionism and driven. I was like, oh, no, I'm not those things. I'm not really. And it came back and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Apparently, I'm super high on being a perfectionist. And then I really reflect. I was like, oh, shit. I
1: think it's a a Chinese.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Culturally, yeah, there is something there where I'm like, also, um, even doing this podcast, I've done it on my own, um, just doing everything for so long, because it's just been easiest. It's, yeah. I can do, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Thank God got well, to listen to yeah, me we now. But, absolutely do you know, similar, because we're mean? both Malaysian <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I know how I want something done, and it's just easier, because I'll just do it.
1: Yeah. 100%, yeah,
0: 100%. Do you get annoyed by incompetent people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, yeah. 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 But,
1: the, yeah, that's what I've started to learn, is that incompetent people, or what I consider incompetent people, is, like... It's, it's, you're going to encounter that everywhere and you're going to have to love it and accept yeah. it because if you're going to work with anyone else, you got to stop thinking everyone else is incompetent.
0: Totally. You know? <laughs> so, here's the thing. I'm quite incompetent in many areas of my life. Yeah, that's, yeah, Let's get real. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay oh yeah so i also read an interview where you talked about the burden of representation and that as poc anything we put out is going to be representing others who look like us so I'm, I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. like if we do something great it's about us as individuals but if we do something bad then we all lose and it's like oh my god yeah. asians are terrible yeah. so does this relate to your perfectionism
1: i don't know if it relates to my perfectionism but i think it relates to well, i was talking about that project in particular and it might be it might relate to why I I cringe when I have to do anything Asian related because I don't want to represent I don't want to do Asian stuff you know like. yes I know exactly yep. yeah I, I mean Nathan Joe I talked to him <laughs> and he's exactly the same like his, it he said at the start he didn't want to do Asian stuff yeah and I'm I'm at that stage at that point yeah but then slowly I realized and so so did he I think that it's it's very important to represent us in in a very good way you yeah. know because each data point contributes to a, a stronger you know yeah. representation and
0: if we don't do it we'll just have like people doing it for yeah, us exactly yeah
1: but yeah that's it was a struggle i guess i, I felt like especially with sick fan la i had to do 10 times as much effort to everything and i freaked out 10 times more than i would on say uh, documentary about animal babies, you know. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, because <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So, so you felt that pressure? I felt the pressure, and I felt the pressure to be perfect. Yeah, mm. in, in that sense, it does relate. Yeah, I felt the the pressure to not make any mistakes and to represent everyone as accurately and truthfully as I could, and not cut corners. And, um, but yeah, it's a it's a big task, and I don't think. Other, well, the majority understands that kind of pressure when we have to do something like that. Yeah. I have been asked whether, you know, oh, what about season two of sick Fahan La? And then the the thing that comes to me mine mind is like, oh man, it's a lot of work that mm. I don't, I don't think you really see, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I can't really just let go and just, just be like, oh, it's another season. I'll just do some stuff again. You have to go 110% mm. and throw. I thought it was amazing sure. though. Thank you. Um, it better be, because yeah, you know. Uh
0: No, I thought it was. I thought it was really awesome and well done, and how cool that it, you can now watch it on the plane.
1: Yeah, that's. awesome. Did you know, I
0: had no idea that was happening until yeah. I, someone randomly at a party was like, "I saw you on the plane." I'm like, "What are you talking about?"
1: Yeah, that's so cool. And the lovely thing about the plane uh, in New Zealand is they they put it on the front page when it was released, and I and I was really happy with that because when Farm Line released on. On national TV, on TVNZ, yeah, you couldn't find it on Mm. TVNZ Plus, but on Air New Zealand, they were just loud and proud, and so many people saw it for the first time. Yeah, on on Air New Zealand, that is awesome. Yeah, I'm really really happy. Yeah, they're such good support.
0: What has been the cost of being such a perfectionist?
1: Uh, I think relationships, right, like collaborative relationships. Yeah, I feel I feel really bad for. Some of the people that I've worked with in the past because I've been a perfectionist and wanted to do it exactly my way, whereas I should just really let go and just accept and not fight so hard for things that don't matter. You know, Um, the world doesn't work in perfect ways. You always have limited time. You always have limited budgets. And it's just not worth having a angry fight or just, you know, storming off. Um, I think I had a, even in the filming of Sigh Fan La, there was just moments, there was like a five minute moment where I had a fight and I just had to walk off just for a moment. Uh, Of course, in the end, it was fine. But yeah, looking back on that moment, I'm like, that wasn't worth any of that, you know, like it's going to turn out well either way. And I wanted to fight for something just so, yeah, just that last 1% is really not worth 50%. Of the energy
0: how you feel about those situations now how did you get to that realization that it like potentially wasn't worth it like in the moment are you feeling like oh no i shouldn't be doing this or do you cool down and then you realize
1: absolutely you have to cool down first yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm quite impulsive in that <laughs> way <laughs> okay um yeah and, and it's just been a lot of i mean i, I spend a lot of time just looking back and because i'm quite an introvert mm-hmm. and i look back on every interaction every social interaction and I, and I just oh analyse God. everything and it's okay. quite exhausting yeah, it's, and yeah, that's yeah. why I can't do many social things but um, yeah over over time and mm. you get to my age I'm not young so then you, you start recognising hey, I think we're the, we're the same age yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> what are
0: you saying what do you mean
1: <laughs> well this is for your audience <laughs> out there as well you know
0: <laughs> I understand I do yeah
1: you get older and wiser I think you recognise it
0: yeah so I told Sam Lowe I was interviewing you, who you directed in Mm Sukhwanla, and I asked him if he had any questions for you. Oh. Okay, so here are a couple. Considering your career, particularly in the early years, how has your Asian-ness impacted the type of job opportunities you were given or fought for?
1: Yeah, I um, started my career in a much different time and world than it is now. So this was probably 2008, 2009 or something, and... Asian on screen wasn't a thing mm. at all. Um, so everything, my idea of what a New Zealand film was, because I was applying for to the New Zealand Film Commission and and created New Zealand to make short films and funding and stuff, and I was writing for that kind of audience. My idea of what a New Zealand film was was either Pākehā or Māori. It didn't occur to me that I would ever get funding for a film about Chinese New Zealanders. I mean, it's absolutely never happened mm. except for... I mean, at that time, Roseanne Liang had made a few short films and they were fantastic and they featured, um, you know, three Chinese New Zealand characters and they were awesome. And, and she'd also made My Wedding and Other Secrets as well. But she was the only... I feel like she was the only one doing it at that time. Everything I learned through university, like uh, I had a different upbringing from my classmates because everyone could talk about, I don't know, Pulp Fiction or Goodfellas, and I still haven't seen those two films. Really? But uh, (laughs) the films I watched was like Jackie Chan, Project A. Yes. um, You know, like uh, Chinese Ghost Story. You went to to film school? I went to university and I studied film, Mm -hmm. um, the Bachelor of Arts in film. Yeah. And so there was one Hong Kong film paper, which I absolutely loved, And, and I got to see all of my beloved films there, but that was one out of the whole degree. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of the degree focused on, um, the film history from a Hollywood perspective, mostly. Mm. So, um, so I felt really out of place and I, and I had an idea that that's what the film industry wanted. Um, you know, generic Hollywood, Mm. there was no place for Asian-ness so that's that's the environment i started my career in and, and um yeah in fact uh i had a lot of really good classmates who were chinese taiwanese from hong kong and we got along together and we, we were able to talk about the stuff i don't know if we ever really set out to make films about asians you know like yeah i was definitely actively avoiding that actively avoiding trying to, I don't know, represent or, you know, so, so when, when people say write what you know, you know, we were always taught in university in screenwriting class, you need to start from, to get a truth, truthful story, you need to write about yourself, right? You need to write what you know. Mm. But I always hated that part of it because I was like, well, why would anyone want to hear about my... Asianness. Or, oh, okay. You know, I find it. I find it really boring to talk about Asianness.
0: Uh-huh. I'm sorry about. I'm sorry um, this do you know what this podcast. Yeah, do you know what this podcast? <laughs> yeah, <was about? laughs>
1: but you know, back then I was like, oh, shit. Man. I, uh, I really don't want to talk about like I don't know. My lunch was uh yeah, yeah. fried indomie or something. I, um, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: I. I uh, yeah. That whole, I had sushi for lunch and kids laughed at it is a, is a bit played out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
1: and I will add another thought I had regarding that upbringing as well. Like um, the whole, okay. Oh, well, I came to New Zealand in the 1990s. Not many Chinese yeah. then or yeah. not many Asians, maybe a few Koreans yeah. in my area. I grew up on the North Shore. Um, mostly like South African yes, and Pakeha. Yes. Oh,
0: you should have been Half Moon Bay with me. Yeah,
1: maybe. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's right. So yeah, so the the survival instinct of yeah. a five-year-old kid, you know, back then in primary school yeah. was to fit and blend and erase all signs of being Asian. Yeah. Right? So that carried on all the way till even high school. You know, I was like, oh, if I want to be... One of the cool peeps. Yeah, I, I'm the Kiwi Asian. You know, I'm, oh, yeah, the, yeah. I'm the I'm the, the not one like the Asian. Yeah. yeah, not like the new wave yeah. coming in. Yeah. I'm different. Yeah. So yeah, my the the whole life has all about all been all about erasing Asianness yeah. and being invisible. So it's kind of weird that it's circled back now, and I'm only just I'm I'm only just learning how to unerase Asianness in the yeah. last six years, six seven years since. Yeah. Let's say that I think it's since Pan Asian Screen Collective came to the fore. Since we started really thinking about representation on screen and cultural safety and all these things, yeah. um, telling our own stories. So it's only it's only been six or seven years. Yeah, That's it.
0: I'd say the same for me too. Yeah, oh, my whole twenties, like, not even think about it. Yeah, if budget was no issue, what would your dream creative project be?
1: A action kung fu flick mm-hmm. <laughs> feature film. Or or a sci-fi Matrix. Uh-huh. I just want to. Yes. I just want to make some Matrix again. You know, yeah, That's yeah. My favorite film. God,
0: that was when that came out. Yeah. I remember the promo for that. God, that was cool.
1: I just remember all that. Like, what is the Matrix? Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. And, and everyone we were was just like, like oh "What God. is the Matrix? Y two K? Yeah. What, what is this? <laughs> that
0: was that was sick. Yeah, yeah. and Star Wars and yeah. like a big yeah.
1: sci-fi thing like that with uh, I don't know, just the. Uh, the heart as well, like not a. I, I don't think I would dream ever dream of doing something like a Marvel film. I would like well, to do something. Well, not now. It's
0: changed. Things have changed
1: for Marvel. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be part of a big machine. I just want to make a little but cool, unique fantasy. Do whatever uh-huh. you like, film. You know, create another, create a world that's completely different. Or.
0: mm-hmm uh-huh. Yeah, are um, you right? So. Would you write this?
1: Probably not. I don't. I don't think I'm a good writer. Mm-hmm. I, will, I write out of necessity, but yeah. I mean, I would love for someone else to to write, oh, yeah. to write and just be a director.
0: Okay, you heard it here first. Okay, um, what kind of tools, rituals, or environments are essential to your creativity?
1: Probably number one is my coffee machine, which I spend too much money on, and I keep tinkering with every year for very silly reasons so stimulants okay yeah so as well as being a filmmaker i I studied engineering at school because i've just got this gadget nerdiness to me that i like tweaking tinkering with stuff so the coffee machine is my little ritual and i just want to make the best coffee other rituals for creativity
0: yeah like what helps you feel creatively charged
1: yeah, is almost, there anything, or is it like a grind the almost, whole time? It's almost ninety nine percent grinding coffee, <laughs> and then <laughs> okay, making mm, coffee. Okay, sorry, most of it. <laughs> it's okay. pretty, it's pretty dull. It. And then okay. I just sit on a comfy chair and on a, on a laptop or something, and then I just go for it. Maybe I, you... I, oh yeah, I do, I do put on like um, recently I've been putting on Canto Pop
0: ah. music, like
1: all really nostalgic stuff that I would listen to. When I was like ten or something, or, yeah. or I would hear, yeah, and I would just go through the whole music while writing this Cantonese feature film, or, or, or this like nostalgic love letter to the Hong Kong cinema that I'm writing. So, ah, uh, cool. Um, so yeah, so it's like yeah, just having being immersed in that music, yeah. and um, I get just lost in Wikipedia and just go on wiki rampages. Do you have a playlist? Yeah, it's a playlist, uh, It's a plot playlist that I uh-huh. go back to quite often. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: I only ask that because I'm going to be doing a newsletter that goes with each episode, cool. which I can put stuff in. Awesome. So if you've got like music that you I can do, put in, yeah. I will, I'll
1: put it in. I've recently had to select like 10 tracks to send to my music composer. <laughs> Perfect,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, looking back, when has a collaboration really worked?
1: I think every single collaboration I've done with Stallone Waunga um, and Aberose Daina Waunga they're like my family and I've learned so much from them so I've known Stallone since I was 21 I think we were we went to uni together we we didn't didn't weren't really in the same class for most of it but there was a documentary class we were in together but he's the most charismatic and the ultimate leader I've ever met Everything he does, I feel like, is the right way to go about things. He, he just can do no wrong. It's really crazy. When I work with him, so I've edited four of his feature films. I've edited a lot of his, um, his factual project when he was working as a reporter uh, or a director for, for Fresh TV. And every time I work with him, he just gives me a whole lot of space to be creative and to do what I want and yet always just prods me in the right direction when I need to. And Abba Rose is the sensible one out of our trio. So it's me, me and Sloane, we're, we're pretty like, we're, we're just boys. We're just having a lot of fun. Whereas Abba makes it work, mm-hmm. you know, to the logistics of going to Samoa and filming a feature film in Samoa. Over I really want to go to Samoa next year. It oh, it's like. fascinating. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just beautiful. Mm. Such a cool location mm. to make a movie in and, one of the reasons why their first feature film just took off, you know, like Mm. Three Wise Cousins. Mm. Um, It's just a a view of Samoa that has never been done before. So what made that
0: collaboration... Sorry, I just interrupted you. What made that collaboration so good? I like them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit! They're family. They're good people. But uh,
1: yeah, they always take a people-first focus. Mm. And they have this... um, they they're they're both they're brother and sister, so they're literally family, family. and yeah. they treat me like family, yeah, and they involve their family and they're you know in, in shoots and things like that. So um they just they just know how to be really good people, and then they're, they're not perfectionists, you know, like it's it's not in it's not in that culture to be perfectionist. It's in that culture to be for the community to work for. You know, the Pacific Island culture, Samoan culture, I mean, they go to church, yeah. they help everyone yeah. in their family. They send money back home yeah. when there's a funeral or, or something, you know, like it's, it's always about, it's always bigger than mm. your tiny little family unit. Whereas I wasn't, I, I wasn't really brought up like that, you know, um, but my, I think my parents still do all that, all that stuff. But I, I, I didn't get it taught into me. You know, I was quite a spoiled kid, probably. So, yeah. <laughs> the baby,
0: the baby boy. Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah, I'm learning a lot about that side from them. And I think that's why it works. People cool. first, community first, doing things for others.
0: What helps build a sense of collaborative safety on set?
1: Good systems and, and just good leadership. The best sets I've been on has been led by Aberrose. She starts every shoot day. With a check on check in and gathers everyone, make sure everyone's is okay and yeah, I, th- I think it's just being organized. You know <laughs> that's pretty 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 straightforward. You know having a good system and not just yeah just making a plan and sticking to it basically. It's it's a br- it's a very big one. There's a lot of things that go into it, but if you're good, if you're good, if you if you set a good environment, and you make it clear and easy to communicate with everyone on the crew, then you're you're good.
0: Do you want to talk about anything that you're working on?
1: Uh, I'm doing this pitching course where we're taking two TV series ideas and learning to pitch it. There's a pitch fest and we pitch it in front of actual industry people and um, this is by Screen Canberra. It's called ScreenPod. I'm freaking out because I'm really bad at pitching.
0: Yeah, uh, that makes me want to shit my pants. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) thinking about that pitching, yeah
1: like. so we've had two practice sessions and i've absolutely crumbled because uh you know like i'm completely starstruck by the the group i'm in and they some of them are like experienced writers some mm. of them are actors they're just so good at the spoken word and yeah. just engaging you while looking at you Whereas I'm like, I can't remember (laughs) what my story is if I'm not reading it, you know. Like, are you doing it as an um, individual? uh, Like, you're pitching your own thing. I am as an individual. Other people, there are some teams, but yeah, it's uh, it's quite terrifying. For the pitch, yeah, the pitch is. Oh, I think you got about five minutes. You know, it's like it's just really quick. Um, so you want to tell your story in a nutshell. But pitches, I'm guessing they're usually about ten minutes you stand in front and then you are you just talking on?
0: or do you have like a deck that you're talking to no, like i think i think i'm just, just talking, talking. Yeah. oh my god i'd yeah. fucking die yeah
1: and I, I find it really yeah it's not it's not the way i learn you know i'm so visual yeah and me I'm too so on the paper yeah yeah yeah. and even when listening to someone like you know even podcasts yeah, <laughs> know. i'm like i had i sometimes lose track when i'm listening to a podcast i'm like oh okay re- rewind the last five minutes yeah. So yeah, I got two quite fun ideas there. One's about um, Chinese spies in New Zealand. They're all comedies. So, uh-huh. <laughs> t- and the other is about a group of um, geniuses locked up in a bunker in the middle of Australia, who think tank apocalypse events like the world-ending disasters like meteor meteor attacks and nuclear war and things like that. Yeah. But then the the things actually happen. So it's a little comedy, black comedy thriller.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, you can pitch it. You just did it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. quite get it,
1: but yeah. Mm. Mm. We'll see. Okay. Still practicing. Okay. But it's terrifying. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think you have to practice. Yeah,
1: I can do it in front of you, but if there's like, you know, <laughs> serious you people. What do you mean? <laughs> Who are like judging me. Um, just... <laughs> the problem just... is role like play. the judging eyes. Uh, you don't have judging yeah, eyes, yeah. <laughs> which is good.
0: God, yeah. Well, good luck.
1: I would yeah. hate that. Yeah, oh. and again, I like. There's no cameras here, eh? <laughs> that's why I can tell. You can see. I'm oh, chill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> soon as soon the cameras oh, so you are you on, you recorded. Oh uh, nah, I don't think so. Um. Hopefully not. We'll see. Yeah.
0: Okay, well that's exciting. I'm excited for you. You'll smash it. You'll be fine. How do you feel about self love?
1: I think uh, <laughs> I'm really bad at it. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. How do I feel about self love? I think it's very important. I ask. It well, because... I, I lie. I'm actually quite good at it because ah. I'm. I'm really happy to be. I check in on myself every so often, and it's like, am I happy with where I am in my life? And I'm like, yep, I'm. I'm satisfied. It's not where I thought I would be when I was younger, but I'm quite happy with the life experiences I've had. Mm-hmm. I, I have to be grateful for all those experiences. You know, I, I cannot discount those experiences. So. So, yeah. do you
0: tell do you tie self-love to experiences?
1: In... well, no, not entirely. no I, I tell i I tie self-love to how I've acted or how what kind of person I've been mm. through these experiences. And I really, really want to be a good person, you know, always. And I know when I've made a mistake and I know when I really. Don't like myself in a certain way, mm-hmm. and that,
0: I think the question is: So, do you still have compassion and love for yourself, even when you act in ways that you don't think that you should have?
1: I slowly will. Yeah, I always get out of it. Otherwise, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to function in <laughs> yeah, everyday uh, life, right? That
0: would be sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: After some consideration, I start to accept parts of myself and learn to cope with it. You know, like, Mm. and, and then the self-love comes back, Mm. but yeah, there, there will always be moments where I've like alienated a friend or done something really stupid or said something really stupid where I'm like, that is dumb, man. And like, you are useless. Yeah. But yeah, some, sometimes more serious than others. And Mm. I spend a couple of weeks just being really down on myself, not wanting to see anyone. But in the end, I'm like... Well, that's life, you know.
0: You have to forgive yourself.
1: Yeah, you have to. And and remember that nobody is a perfect person, which mm. goes back to this idea that perfectionism, perfectionism is the cause of a lot of issues, you know. Be imperfect, you know, it's okay. Yeah, It's okay.
0: I wanted to bring that theme into the new episodes and specifically call out... Love and self-love, only because there's a part of me that actually feels kind of corny and cringe about talking about it. Yeah. But I actually think it's pretty critical to living a life where you feel like you're thriving.
1: Yeah, and I, I'd love, <laughs> so to, I'd love to hear. I,
0: that's why I'm saying to talk. That's why I'm bringing it in. Yeah, and I'd love to hear
1: what everyone else has to say about it because it just means different things to everyone. Totally. Right? Even that that bloody word love is just, just so I tough. I know. I was like, <laughs> I was, I was, I was just thinking for about 30 seconds while you ask me about self-love and i'm like what does that actually mean yeah <laughs> you know
0: yeah so i think it'll be interesting to, to hear what people say yeah about that one yeah totally um because i think a lot of issues a lot does come back to that like yeah a lot of fear we have a lot of guilt and shame
1: yes And that is possibly why I just don't like talking about myself as well, Mm. because I don't love talking about myself because maybe that's the, that's why there's no, and that there's no self love in that aspect, you know? And that's why I like hearing from other people because I can hear about self love from other people and then I can be like, oh, actually, yeah, that, that sort of relates to me and I can learn a bit more how to articulate yeah, Things that I don't like about myself or, yeah. or Like, how but, do we access that? Yeah. So I can't, I can't access it when thinking about myself right now, you know? Like, I'm like, oh, I just don't think about that.
0: If you loved yourself a little bit more, what do you think would change?
1: If I love myself a bit more, I think I'd just have more success in every aspect. You know, like this pitching thing I'm going to, I'd just be more confident doing it, you know? <laughs> like, it's just... Uh, it's just a matter of like turning off all those doubts. Yeah. Anytime you perform, you'd perform better when you stop thinking about, oh man, I'm not good at this or yeah. If I'm able to love myself completely, then anything I do, whether it's directing, writing will be just so much more smoother. I'd just be able to do it and then worry but, and, and and just criticize myself later. <laughs> yeah. 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 But um, in the, in the, act of doing it you, sometimes when you've been creative you just got to do it yeah. and not think about what's wrong with what mm-hmm. you're doing at that moment
0: and it can be hard shifting that mindset or the tone or pattern of your thoughts if you've been stuck in a state of thinking oh, i'm really shit i'm really bad at this yeah. oh my god every time we say to each other i'm really bad at pitching oh yeah. my god i'm so bad yeah, at talking yeah. in front of. like you know all that we're just kind of reinforcing that over <laughs> and over again
1: yeah every every creative <laughs> knows this surely <laughs>
0: How spiritual would you say you are?
1: About 13%, I'd say. 21%. Let's say 21%.
0: <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I'm, I'm spiritual in the sense that I think there's a lot that we don't know. I've been toying a lot with the idea of yun fen, yun fen, Um, which is that... Uh, it was in Past Lives um, recently. In is the one they that. call it in Korean. Yeah. So I've been uh, researching that idea for the past two years for this feature film I'm making. For me, Yoon Fun means like, stop not trying to control your fate in a sense, yep. completely. And that uh, there are some things that is just going to happen. Not necessarily, I don't believe it is a past life kind of thing, you know. I, I just think if there's some energy between souls or people or relationships that bring people together... Um, That makes things work really well. Uh, If you don't have you in fun, you'll just have conflicts no matter what you try to do, you know, like. So in that sense, I'm spiritual. There's a lot of unexplained stuff. It's probably too complicated to be saying this A leads to B and using a scientific method won't apply to this kind of stuff. So, yep, I think there's room for that. Mm. But yeah, I'm quite a rational and scientific person usually. The majority I don't know.
0: Life. You might be more than twenty-one <laughs> percent. I don't know. <laughs> I,
1: I, I just think there's like there's limits to how how good humans are. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just we think we're amazing and we can, you know, we can use we can create AIs and make <laughs> CG stuff. And but in the end, like sometimes or a chicken is probably smarter than you in some ways. <laughs> you know, they'll they'll know when the rain's coming. That's
0: a very spiritual thing to say. Yeah. That, like, <laughs> hey, what the a chicken that's very philosophical. Yo, A chicken. Knows- they got some
1: secret <laughs> abilities that we don't know about.
0: Do you have any questions for me or is there anything
1: else? Why did you start this podcast? I'm 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 I get asked that all the yeah, time. Yeah. I'm interested in that.
0: <laughs> I literally got asked that yesterday, actually. And it was not like one moment it was a whole bunch of different things so I had the idea for a podcast in 2019 well I did a leadership program and one of the activities this is really I'm really drawing this out we have to kind of create a leadership quest not a goal but like some like big thing mission whatever and my one was that I wanted to champion the next generation of asian woman Mm. creatives so that was a very there was the initial first thing where i didn't know okay i've got no idea what that looks like or what that could be it was just an idea because i thought well i have to come up with something i can't just i had to present it to the room i couldn't just i had to do something yeah so that was the thing and then kind of over time i was thinking about who could I talk to? At the same time, I did a coaching certificate, so which is basically how do you ask good questions, mm-hmm. um, so I can coach people. And then I also did a Māori cultural competency course.
1: Yeah. But what, what's the why behind doing all these courses? And
0: so to give you some context, 2019, so back when I was working at a, a social media agency, yeah, severely burnt out, hate, hated my life. Ah. I, I had no Asian friends. I had basically no life. I was going to the gym really? at 5am. No Asian friends. I, yeah.
1: Wait, how does that work? I
0: know. I know. It was like, I was all about work. I was, I was like, just so not, I was not a fun person. I was just climbing the ladder, miserable, not having a good time. And so that's when um, I started working with my auntie who runs a contemporary leadership development practice. Mm. Um, and that's kind of when I started doing all this leadership stuff. And then this was like a side project. Right. Um, so, so
1: why did you have no asian friends
0: yeah i was asked this as well it wasn't like an intentional thing yeah i just didn't but i also didn't have any like creative friends like it was very right. um <laughs> normie <laughs> like <laughs> it was I, I don't know what else to say it i was like corporate corporate jenna
1: yeah and now you've broken out yeah. hopefully
0: and now uh, and so i made a bunch more friends mm. since since then i know i was asking myself, why did not you have any asian friends but um i just didn't yeah mm. and i wonder whether it was also because between the ages of 25 and 30 i was in this relationship and i was like all in on the relationship uh, i was one of those yes. you know yeah friendships yep. fall away yeah. yep. and then that was a disaster mm. uh and so then it was after that trying to figure out oh god what do i like again yeah. <laughs> what am i into yeah <laughs> who am i yeah it was it was basically yeah. that yeah. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Do you learn a lot through? Asking. Doing... Yeah. I mean. Yeah. What do you get out of doing this?
0: It's fun. I can't believe that I actually do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really? Yeah, because okay, I, Go on. This I, is I, because I all I've known of you is this, this right? Which is <laughs> so
0: funny because it's not really not. Yeah. I didn't think, oh, one day I'm going to have a podcast. It was really not like that. Right. It's just sort of one thing has happened after another. And I've met all these people. A lot of it word of mouth. Yeah. You know, it's how I met you. Like rant, like at
1: a whatever. I saw you at Yolkfest. That's the, ages, the first of you know, like yeah.
0: f- uh, like that was fun. But yeah. um, I'd never done anything like that before.
1: Yeah, right. And I just assumed, oh, you, these these cool people have been in the industry for Are you ages. <laughs>
0: But I'm I was like, "What know. have I walked
1: into? Um, I, I have no idea where I am." Um,
0: <laughs> I, had, I didn't know. I literally googled, "What do I use to edit a podcast?" Like, I and now we're place. in this Adobe Flash and now we're this and now we're a Big Fan. Yeah, Big Fan. I don't know every guest. I've learned a lot about the process of podcasting, what it, like the technical bits of it, and just how I work and. Also, every guest, I feel really grateful. That I'm grateful. I, it's an that...
1: honor. This is super <laughs> therapeutic. I have to say it is like a free therapy session.
0: You know what? You're not the first guest <laughs> to say that. You're not the first guest to say that. Um, but it's been, it's really fun. I'm really honored that I get to be the one asking all the deep questions. And then the guest, like yourself, will just share.
1: Yeah, I feel uh, that's similar in documentary as well, right? Like in factual filmmaking, it's just so like, I got the chance to go to China and meet some really insanely talented and extraordinary people, you know. Went to Tibet and met some yak farmers up there and wow. you get to I mean, I didn't understand Tibet and we had a translator, but yeah. just being able to just like soak in other people's lives is such a privilege. Yeah. Such a privilege. Yeah. It's yeah. Lovely.
0: I'm proud of it now, but This is a part of something that I do. Like, it's not the Mm. whole thing. It's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What a fun thing that I get to do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What an honor to be here. I'm like, what do you want to hear from boring Jack? Um, Are you kidding? (laughs) No, not.
0: Um, (laughs) Can you stop with that non-self-love stuff?
1: (laughs) I like hiding. I like being behind the scenes.
0: Anything else?
1: Thanks, Sam, for the questions, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Sam... I love you. I mean, he asked too, he, okay? Yeah. Well, they were over ages ago. I'm, yeah. I'm,
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> but, yeah, they're not all yours, <laughs> yeah, Sam. Yeah,
0: they weren't, they wasn't all of Sam's questions. <laughs> Finish these sentences. I'm feeling inspired by.
1: My peers and those who have come before me.
0: I'm really looking forward to.
1: Making a freaking cool kung fu short film.
0: I'd love to be known for.
1: I'd love to be known for making a freaking cool short film. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This yes. Is a, no, that's all I got. Uh,
0: I'll take it. Okay. This, is,
1: this is what my year is going to be, I think.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, Jack Woon, thanks so much for coming in to have a chat.
1: Thanks for having me. Yay. Such an honor. Loved it. This
0: episode was made possible thanks to Foundation North, Creative New Zealand and Big Fan. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, share and review the podcast and stay tuned for updates. See you next time.